best feeling in the world. Okay, I would love. Okay, I feel like I'm I'm in the I'm like in the the ocean of it right now. So yeah. like you know, I just don't understand why we don't discuss that there's a real situation with menopause. There's a there's perimenopause. Like everyone, know, we know conceptually menopause, right? Because yes. you know, a lot of women rejoice, but this whole perimenopause business. And yes, I'm going to say it right now. I am so annoyed that why am I at my age now hearing about this? Really exactly. hearing about this. There are no ads like that, you know, no. other than, although I did hear an Amberin ad the other day and I'm like, son of a sea cook. I'm now the target market demographic. But, but okay, Amberin, what other brands are there? Like, what other brands are there? I mean, I hear about Viagra all day long, but what about exactly you alleviate nothing? Second nothing. puberty sucks. So anyone that's listening, and by the way, we're live. Anyone that like doesn't know, and or or why so many divorces happen around this time frame? It's because people don't understand. Absolutely, absolutely. And anytime I found like a product, like even things for hot flashes, like these great cool wipes, they were hidden in the supermarket and then they were gone. And then I called the company, like, why aren't you making them? Well, no one's buying them. I'm like, you're not advertising them. This is the greatest thing I've ever used in my life. And you're not selling it to me now. I'll sell it to all my friends. Um, it's, I think it, this has got to be a multi. Uh, maybe I'm, someone tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Or ignorant. Someone chat and tell us, like, this has got to be a multi-billion-dollar industry, people. Like, how is it that I don't know of anything about this multi-billion-dollar industry? Because women are a huge buying, uh, you know, Absolutely. market. How come we don't hear about it? It's so bizarre to me. But anyway, we, you know what? I'm having a lot of conflict internally right now on this, Leslie. But look, <laughs> we may have to continue this conversation. But are you we ready? Will. As we all know. The mic is listening. I, Are you ready for this? I am ready and looking forward to it. All right, let's do it. The mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the mic is listening. And if you're listening, oh, you're listening today because uh, there are days when I just have no patience for anything, anyone, myself, much less the leaf that just fell on top of my car. And I'm saying, oh my gosh, did you scratch my car? Realistically, you know, it's not what's happening. It's got to be something inside of you. But damn it, Janet, anyone? That doesn't know anything about perimenopause. I swear to God, it's a thing and it sucks. And 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 just have some grace for women that are going through it. That includes you men and teenage kids because the odds are high. You're going to have teenage kids and it sucks, sucks, sucks. I actually had Emily Barkley in a previous episode of The Mic is Listening. Emily, shout out to you, girl. Um, she has this huge Facebook group. I think just hit 50K following anyone that's going through it. Highly recommend. So that's my rant of the day because you know why? Conflict sucks. We don't like it. How do you deal with it? And you know what? If anyone knows anything about political season as it's coming up again, is, you know, we're going to have disagreements in life. And of course, there's that saying, let's agree to disagree. Okay, I get that. But for some odd reason in social media, we don't seem to have that ability. We can't just let it go. 
let it go. So I asked our wonderful guest for today, Leslie Nydick. She is the conflict strategist to join us because girl, I, you, oh my goodness. Like I, there are days when I just want, I'm come out guns blazing, you know, and it can't well, be healthy. It can't be healthy for relationships. Well, I think it can be. And there's one contrarian kind of thing I want to say is when we, I don't like the statement, let's agree to disagree, because I think what happens is the, the conflict's still there. You're just walking away from it. And then it builds because time increases it. So I am one of those where I'm like, let's talk about it. And I don't mean right at that minute. There's so many different things. But I, I think we have to approach it and address it. And think about it like a conversation. I'm just, you know, reframe it. Okay. So I am the worst with conflict now as a entrepreneur. I think I've, I think it's my upbringing. As I am the baby of the family. And I noticed I used to be quite the, um, what's that called? Negotiator amongst my family members and whatnot. Right. Sure. And uh, I think that's kind of my root. When I was in my corporate sales mode, I was a little bit less reticent to address conflict. I was all about it because I didn't have time yep. just because of our business. And then as I moved in entrepreneurship, because it became more personal, because it's about me, right, as, as an entrepreneur, I reverted back. And I hate yes. conflict. I realized I think I struggled through addressing conflict. I had to do it. But now that I'm on my own, I have to readdress that the need to do it. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm rambling, but I yes. feel like it's You're that conflict rambling. internally. Like, but that whole, like, it is really like this continuum where if I say to you, conflict is good. You're going to completely ignore me. I have to like transition that. And I did it for myself too, where it's like, okay, like conflict is a bunch of disagreements. Well, disagreements are just different ideas. Different ideas are different perspectives. If you see where I'm going, like those words start to sound like, oh, okay. I don't, I like when someone has a different perspective. That's an interesting conversation. And sorry if you heard that fire engine going by. Um, I don't Didn't know if it, it was picking up. Good. Um, so that that's what I mean by like transform conflict. It's just we have to change our mindset about it. The word conflict, just like 10 years ago when I used to keep on hearing the word disruption. Yes. Like, what are they talking about? Disruption. That was everything I was told not to do growing up. Don't disrupt. Disruption is bad all of a sudden disruption became good. And it took a little while for me to like swallow it. Like it's good. Well, I think that's the same thing with conflict. Conflict is disruption. Well, if disruption is good, maybe conflict is good. And that's where I mean, reframe it. So yeah. that our mind receive it. It's, it's almost like you have to say, accept a perspective accept a different angle, accept a different approach. And that's that level of openness yes. that I don't know we have. Why? Because yeah. as a kid, it's interesting. Okay, I have a theory on this. Okay, you, you're making me think about this. Okay, so let's say as children, we're in the playground, we're like five, six years old. 
right? We don't understand resolution to conflict. We just simply know how we feel on things. So there's playground fights or there's, oh, she hit me and blah, 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 and crying in tears, right? It's very binary as a child. However, as children, we're also, I believe, inherently more curious. So we're open to seeing the other alternative in different aspects. How is it that that evolves into adulthood? Because I feel like we've, uh, hopefully we're not punching each other. Compulsion is strong at times, especially right now, but we are not physically doing it, but yet we've closed off our curiosity to accept that other perspective. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We do. Like, think about how well we ask questions when we were young. We ask questions about everything. Like, how is the sky blue? Anything we saw, we wanted to know how, why, how to make it, you know, what to do with it. And then it stopped and it became, we thought we were supposed to decide, judge, resolve, problem solve. And we forgot the whole communication part where it involves other people where to hear someone's idea doesn't mean I have to agree with your idea or you have to disagree with mine. There's this other there you take two, three, four ideas. And actually the idea that comes out of it is very different. It may take pieces of each idea after listening. And we kind of lost that like innovation like the inventions we made when we were younger like there were no rules we just invented stuff we didn't care that it really couldn't be made and we kind of the same way we lost our curiosity with questions we stopped asking questions we just decided we'd hear something we'd observe something and we'd make an assumption and decision without the conversation oh my gosh okay assumptions just making an ass of you and me, baby. Okay, but Absolutely. we do it. We why do we naturally make assumptions? Is it because we are fearful of looking stupid? Are we fearful or like why why do we make assumptions? It would seem counterintuitive as a human to assume something without all the facts. I mean, I think you said it before, like when you know we're all talking about even just diversity. You know, we want more diversity in our workplace, more inclusion. We're actually not doing it. We just check off the box and say we're doing it. We have to start it with conversation. If you observe or listen to a meeting, it's rare that Uh different views. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. You froze for just a quick second there, but don't worry. If you don't mind repeating that. No, I was going to say we're not a co- most meetings just or conversations you observe in a workplace. Divergent views are rare. People yeah. don't feel comfortable asking a question, especially if something's presented to you and they're like, hmm, I wonder if that will work. I'm wondering if, you know, A and B will really match up like the person said. We There isn't a safety to bring that up because we're not accustomed to it. We're accustomed to just yesing or agreeing or being an echo chamber. Yeah. And to be the opposite is very difficult. Um, I know that during Zooming and all of that, the one thing I've noticed is that, so at the end of a meeting, someone will say, And are there any questions? 
Well, first of all, the meeting's about to end. Everyone's been on Zooms all day long and they're glad it's going to end. We don't even give room for real questions. Like, what are your questions? Not are there questions? Of course there are questions. Yeah. And if you don't invite them, then it starts to perpetuate the echo chamber that it's only okay to agree. It's not okay to disagree or just raise a challenging question. Yeah, no, I, I think because we also don't want to lose credibility, right? Because in the workplace, this is your livelihood, right? This is, exactly. this is where you have to have a certain amount of authority in your area. Uh, whether you are in a leadership role or a contributing member, you're still part of a quote team, right? Overall. Yes. So if you don't want, no one wants to look stupid or foolish. Exactly. Right. So this is the funny part is, is I, I'm totally going to shout out my sister on this because she is probably one of the smartest people in the world. I really shouldn't say this out loud because her head's going to get huge and I'm going to see her later on today, but she is a ditz. Like she comes off as ditzy. She is just like, I don't get it. I need to ask this question. But the thing is, she has no qualms about asking that fracking question that we're all probably thinking. But yet at the same time, it's like, are you really asking this question? So why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we do it to others when they're asking a question and we're not giving grace to let them maybe catch that concept, you know, later, faster than others? You just revealed one of the tricks of a mediator or even an arbitrator or anyone trying to help others resolve conflict kind of play like you don't get it so that you can ask the questions of each of the people and then they start to hear each other's answers oh. but playing like you don't get it and then that helps you ask the curious questions so that people can hear more so that is one of my tricks so now it's not a secret anymore Oh, well, you know, I think as a moderator, uh, you know, it's almost like a, like lawyers, right? Can you clarify, clarify this statement? Did you, or did you not say X, Y, Z? Now, of course it's not a confrontational thing, but it's that, that questioning yes. is almost like calming people down because they have to reposition them or restate their position. Right. Yes. Oh, that's, that's really funny. I didn't even think of it that way. Huh? Okay. Here, here's another oh, question I have. I'm like getting all excited. So. As you can tell, other mic leaning in. Hopefully, I'm not blowing everyone's eardrums out. Here's my question: uh, When someone is in the heat of the moment, right? We're all, and we don't have luxury of time necessarily. How do you yes. suggest for us to maybe? How do you cool jets to resolve not the whole situation? Because maybe you can't you can't boil the ocean all at once. But maybe you know, maybe not make a tsunami but maybe you make some waves, but not a tsunami. How do you, how do you, what's that word? Well, Lesson, conflict. Right, like de-escalated. De <laughs> Absolutely. So one thing, it is, it's the power of the pause and what, and it really could be expanded to be even the break. So if I'm with someone and they're the ones you know, high emotions, and I'm feeling it too. Just say, you know what, what you have to say is so incredibly important. Let's like schedule a time in about half an hour. That gives the other person time to reflect and think. It gives me time to even think about what I want to say. 
and give that moment. It's that stepping back thing, because a lot of times when we're in the heat of the moment, we're responding to how they said it, not what they said. We're not really hearing the what. So taking that break, even sometimes a pause of 10 seconds does it, but a lot of times we need more. And that's what hits on something you said earlier on, like the patience to address conflict. Yes, it can be, especially if there's someone you're working with all the time, it takes an incredible amount of time to address what the conflict is because usually there's layers and it's built up for a long time. There's a statement that a lot of people say, and I didn't always know what it meant. It wasn't always applying to conflict. It was applying to you know our career journeys. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And it wasn't until it was about 12 years ago. Um, I am not an athlete. I, I, anyone who knows me, I am not athletic. Uh, I was doing a lot of walking. And to make a long story short, I was convinced by a friend that I had to join her and her three other friends to um, enter a race. A race? <laughs> you want me to run? So uh, over time, she convinced me. It was a group of five of us of all varying um, talents and skills, me being the ultimate slowest. Uh, there was, we built a real team. Luckily, I was always last. So everyone always waited for me because we had to have breakfast together. Um, there was this whole team thing going on, but we had a train for a year and a half. And mm. I entered and ran the New York City Marathon. And that was when I really understood that crazy phrase, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I apply it to this whole thing of managing conflict, of helping people with difficult conversations, because it is, it's patience, it's a team, it's figuring out how to train, so to speak, relearning skills that you didn't know you had. And the most important one is absolutely mindset. Because let me tell you, this body doesn't know how to run a marathon. Uh, it was my mind that completely got me there. You know, the cheering, um, being on bridges by myself. Like I had all these moments that can apply. When you yeah. go on a marathon, you run over five bridges. There was one bridge that I was just entered and I was like, oh no, this I can't do this one. Luckily, cell phone in hand, called my dad and he walked me essentially through the bridge. But that's what it, it's all of that. Sometimes yeah. we have to call on a friend, take a break, rethink it, do it a different way. And it really applies to conflict as well as our careers and business. Yeah, no, oh my gosh, you just ate, ate, ate. you just said so much that it's like, it's like a huge meal you just served in that whole example um, onto itself. So it's, we can keep talking about this, but there's something that um, Dawn McKenzie here, I just want to highlight this because it was kind of triggering me as we start, uh, you started your story. And it's so true though, which is, are you listening to understand or listening to react? Which is like that marathon analogy, you know, you're talking about is like, well, are you running this race to say you run that race? Or is it something that you're, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's, it was just kind of yes. triggering me on, do we listen to understand enough or to react? Do you no. see that? 
I'll tell you why. I do, you know, we all do it. It's hard to, you have to be very intentional not to, but there's a fact that helps explain why this is so challenging. When we talk, we can talk at 125 to 200 words per minute. When we listen, we can listen to 400 to 700 words per minute. So just think about that gap for a moment. So there's all this like essentially empty space in our head capacity. And what do we do with it? We start planning what our next question is. We start fixing the other person's problem because we don't really listen to the whole thing. We kind of think we know how to solve it. Uh, we're planning what we're gonna buy for dinner. Uh, we're thinking about the argument we might've had with a loved one in the morning. And we fill up this space and guess what we're not doing? We're not listening. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to just listen because you have to leave all that empty capacity, just let it sit there. Don't let it do anything, just listen. Man, it's, you got, you, you triggered another thought. It's like truly listening to a child talk too. Right. It's almost like if you want to practice it, listen to a three year old or five year old tell a story and really oh listen God. to what they're saying. I find a lot of really good parents are the ones that are like, oh, let's talk about hippity hoppity and jumping over the cliffs of Azure. And you're like, what? like just random details. That, that's really cool. So, OK, so here's something I didn't um, ask you and I probably should have asked from the jump. Where the hell does this come from? Like, why are you the conflict strategist? What happened in your life, my friend, that you're like, uh oh, nope, that's it. We're going to address this and I'm going to, this is going to be my career. Like, where did this come from? Oh, I, didn't, I would have never predicted this. So I started my career in real estate facilities management, design, and construction. So what, and I worked for various organizations, everything from government to um, a large university, Wall Street. Um, I even worked at Radio City Music Hall and no, I wasn't a Rockette, remember? I said, oh. I'm not athletic. I was friends with them, but I wasn't one. <laughs> um, so what I found is that I literally was in the middle of conflict every day. So I, without really thinking about it, I had to figure out how to manage it because otherwise I would have been you know, a crazy person because it was going on all day, whether I was on a construction site, whether I was in the office and people are like demanding more office space for the people they were going to hire. And I started to realize, and in a way I didn't know it was reframing. I reframed like the conflict. It's well, it's just a conversation. People are heated, but it's a conversation. And how am I going to squeeze in my questions so that they'll actually answer them rather than just doing the rant? And that's what started to help me see that there was a process, you know, that yeah. we all need to vent at times. Then we need to be heard. We, we need more listening. Uh, we need respect. And you start to add that all up. And I realized, oh, well, isn't that kind of conflict management? So when I had an opportunity after 20 years of being in the middle of that um, to go out on my own and figure out, well, what am I going to do? Oh, well, why don't I focus on the conflict and the communication? Because that's what I was excelling at. And I need to help others, like kind of speak it because no one knows what to do with it. And we weren't taught in school. You brought up the kids, uh, you know, on the playground. There are a few schools that have 
like mediation conflict resolution programs starting in kindergarten. And it's amazing. The kids themselves have to work together. They bring the kids in and the fifth grader will help the kindergartners where they're like, well, she said she's not my best friend anymore. And they'll ask them questions like, well, what happened? What changed? And they're learning those like qualities that we lost all along the way because we weren't told it was okay to ask all these questions or to doubt someone's idea and want to talk about it yeah no that is oh man some of these kids i don't have kids full disclosure but like when i hear like all these programs i'm like son of a sea cook like where was that when i was growing up you know what i mean it didn't even exist you know back yes. then and i i do feel um Okay, let me ask you this then. So I do feel like kids today seem like they have a lot of tools being given to them to do actual life, like deals with life versus like dealing with, you know, memorization that you think of when in, in traditional education. Um, yes. If this generation, how long ago did this all start with these programs? How, would, how long would you say it's been in place? Um, some of them more than 20 years ago, but very isolated really? programs. Okay. They're not expand Like you'll find a town with it, but not the whole state with it. Okay. Well, because the reason why I'm asking is because is, so now we're starting to see them now in the workforce is what as I guess we can articulate. This is like the Gen Z yes. because the millennials are now kind of, oh man, my boyfriend makes fun of me. He's like, you know, you can't help but keep talking about generations. I'm like, there's some validity to it, but but it's yeah. the Gen Z's that we're seeing that are like, no, we're going to do conflict resolution much more uh, healthier than our parents. Yes. And now, why is it that there's a perception that um, conflict resolution is a wussier way out? Why is it not given respect as a proper way of addressing, you know, challenges that arise between people? Why is it considered, you know, for lack of a better term, a pussy way out? Um, I, I, just think that conflict is so scary, tense for people that they just want to put it away that it's not something that needs focus. It needs to be addressed. We'd rather talk, you know, I'm not going to put down people who write stuff like, oh, I want to meet like-minded people. I always want to ask, do you really, do you really only want to meet like-minded people? They really <laughs> don't. When you start asking them, I go, it would kind of, you wouldn't need a conversation if you were all like-minded, you'd all think alike and you could just nod your heads knowing that you're thinking the same. Yeah. But we have this aversion to, well, if it's different, I don't necessarily want to deal with it. And I'd rather put it aside because I don't know how to deal with it. I only know how to deal with the like stuff, not the stuff that's unlike me. Right. I don't know. Life would be kind of boring without all these differences with A people little... who think differently. Well, I think it, again, it keeps expanding the way you think. Right. And, and that's, isn't that what they say at leadership one-on-one? Where's pathetic? Patik, where are you, my friend? Like, it is like leadership one-on-one is like, you should have a diverse team of different types of personalities, not necessarily personalities that will conflict, but at least complement, right? Yes. And I think that is something that we don't think about. It was one of my one-on-one hiring mistakes when I was a first-time manager. I hired people that was like me. And what yes. a shit show that was. I mean, oops, sorry, we're 1030. But yeah, what a, what a joke that was because 
um, we were fighting too much of the same attention space, right? For, yes. for whatever things that we're fighting over. And side note, I have to say, Dina's cracking me up. Kids today. I know, Dina. I'm sorry. I I really need to stop that. Kids today. Anyway, that ADD <laughs> me for a second here. But yeah, going back to the listening part is, and, I, and, and this is something we don't do enough um, in our business aspect, but in our personal relationships. Like, I no. feel like we don't have enough constructive conversations anymore, which is why one of the major reasons why I love this show, because um, I like and I miss having conversation where I have to stop and think. Yes. Where I don't know enough of a certain topic, but you do, where you're going to educate me and, you know, I'm open to listening and hearing what you have to say. Do you yes. think our societal appetite for conflict resolution is where it needs to be? And if not, how do we get it closer to where you think it should be? I think that the big thing is what I said before, that the word conflict, I think, is so difficult for people that if I and I I did something recently where I said, like, conflict is good for business and I wanted to get people's reaction. And I tried to, like, drive them through the transition where I said before, like conflict is disruption. That sounds okay to people. I You almost have to do it in steps, like to draw people in and let them know conflict is actually good because it is how we define it. If, if you only think about conflict as what's going on in a war, then maybe you can't accept my statement, conflict is good for business. If I start explaining what conflict really is, you know, it is differing opinions, differing perspectives, not understanding each other's perspectives, and then adding emotions in or feeling like something's threatened, whether it's my respect or my pride, or maybe I think I'm going to lose resources over this. So it's a, it's a lot of reframing. We get stuck in words. And that's usually how, uh, when I do training or teach, I start. I'll ask, I'll get, this is an example I give to people. So in your personal life, I'm sure you've experienced it. You've dated someone, the date, the first date is over, you're all excited and someone, you either say or they say, I'll call you very soon. And then the clock starts ticking because <laughs> you know, you know when soon is, whether it's an hour a next day or another week away. The other person knows when their soon is, and yet they never talk about it. But then guess what? We've got a conflict going because now mm -hmm. the tensions are rising. They start not to talk about it. And it, it really comes down to a word. So sometimes we just use these words that people find so difficult to accept. Let's not use the word conflict. Let's use different perspectives. Whatever it is, if that makes you, you know, it easier to start hearing what it takes, it's communication, it's conversation, it's allowing people to have emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't have to run away just because you're upset and angry. I can stay and watch that and let, you know, let you vent over what you, and then we can start listening. I can't, you can't hear me when you're in a, you know, the tense emotions. Yeah. Okay. So I know we're running a little bit long. So guys, everyone that's listening, if I can just beg five more minutes of your time. So Leslie, I got to ask, maybe I, just, maybe I should just have you come back. You got to come back anyway, but okay. 
What if you're in a fundamental just, it's not happening. You will never see eye to eye. Let's, you know, i.e. politics or religion. There's just no changing of a particular opinion and you know it. And I'm going back to the agree to disagree. It, what strategy would you suggest if you got team members or colleagues or, you know, sure that just it ain't family members, you know, yes. Uncle at, well, and auntie at the table. And you're like, mm, okay, let's just keep eating that Thanksgiving Turkey. Like, what do you advise to just understand? It's just never happening. So I, I, you're asking a person who comes from a family where many people, including myself are either married or partnered with someone who is opposite politically, often religiously, everything. So how does it work? Because it does work. I know that a lot of times it escalates, and especially in the office. I mean, I saw it at, during the last election. It escalates because if you have that opinion, I feel like I have to change it. Why? Like, what is getting me so upset that you have, you think differently than I do? So we have to really look within ourselves and know that someone thinking differently than me isn't about chopping me down. It's just right. about how they're thinking. So I might not, it, it might be really difficult for me to understand. Really what it is, is it's difficult for me to agree, but I can hear them out and hear where that came from, what their thoughts are. And no, it's not me. It's not personal. It's not attack on me at yeah. all. And that's part of what happens with the very volatile politics with a very volatile subject where we take it personally. And we often, that's what it really comes down to, especially in the workplace. It isn't all business because we don't leave our personal selves at the door. Like everyone right. told us we were supposed to, but when someone has an opinion or an idea, it's not about chopping me down. It's just a different opinion and idea. And they see it differently. They might just have different experiences. That's why they have this different idea. And when we start to do that and just breathe and ask ourselves questions, why is this igniting these feelings inside of me? Because I want to convince them to believe like me. Sometimes that's the answer. But do I need that? Do I need that to be able to talk to them? Do I need that to be able to work with them? Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. Leslie, we, you have to come back. I, a, I love talking I to you. Love I first got to know you. I'm so glad that we've connected. Me too. And uh, okay, just because I'll give a shout out to Mike Asher Brainer for the introductions. Mike's head exactly. is blowing up everywhere. So Mike, yeah, I'm verbalizing it. Okay. Just don't okay. let your head pop. But um, no, I really, I really appreciate your time. And I, and what you do, I remember the first time we met, I'm like, dude, I needed you in my life. Like, where have you been all my life? And so anyone that needs to get a hold of you, um, I've got your website down here. How else can they get a hold of you, Leslie? So of course, LinkedIn, I'm there almost every day. It is how I met you. It's how I met Mike. So thank you to LinkedIn. Obviously my website, I have a blog there. I put quick tips that are actionable so please ah. like you know read them Don't or die yet, leslie your internet then, so your oh blog no. does you have quick something that's when we lost you oh oh quick tips to you know that are actionable but last but not least this is a thank you to you sia i am going to launch a youtube channel with shorts um video 
that thank you for that suggestion that a lot of my content is short and leaves people thinking. And I'll be launching that before the end of the year. So thank you for that Yay. great idea. Oh my gosh, please tag me. You know, I will always support you on that and whatever you need help on more than happy to do that. And so just to clarify anyone that's asking, so you've got this content here that I'm recording a live stream and you, you can maximize your digital content by taking snippets out of it. And if you are leveraging YouTube, for example, or the huge push around, you know, short, uh, palatable, um, digestible, ADDable, agreeable uh, shorts is under 60 seconds. And then gotcha. what I usually recommend is do like a five minute, maybe something else that's like the middle ground. So now you've got three different paths for people to find your content, to digest your content and to get to know you and grow your credibility, build your community and all that good stuff. So Leslie, it. you just like fed into like my closing remarks here, which is so awesome, which is why I love you so much. So everyone, please get to know Leslie Nydick. Nydick, right? Yeah, I never you got forgot. It right. I forgot Thank to you. ask you how to pronounce your name. I am such a jerk. Did no, you're not. You got it right. I see, but I made an assumption. Yeah, people address it and say, <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't ask. I made an assumption. But uh, no, everyone, please Thank reach you. out. You will find her always on LinkedIn. Obviously, if you don't remember, just ping me on the mic is listening. So I do have some housekeeping stuff here that I do need to go over just to make sure that we are all on the same page because, well, you know, life is like that. So real quick here, guys, I do want to remind folks, I am the Dallas co-chair of Global Leaders Organization. People wondering like, what the hell is GLOW? Okay, all it is, it's a business organization, very similar to other business uh, entrepreneur organizations. You've heard of like Vistage, EO, YPO. We actually do very well and collaborate with uh, these organizations. GLOW is focused on the SMB um, entrepreneurs and business owners so basically it is that if you're uh, in excess of 150K up to like, hmm, I'd say five to 10 million annual revenue, depending on your industry, this is more of the group that is looking to accelerate their growth and they are considering access to capital. So you might've been bootstrapping your business and you might be saying, hmm, what can I do to take my small business into the world of a true growth accelerator and I become an entrepreneur, not just a small business owner, that's what Glow is all about. So what do we do? We do a lot of meetings. There's a lot of a uh, lot of activity going on. I'm super excited, you guys. Q4. There's so much going on that I decided to consolidate so everyone can see what this actually will look like. And uh, so tonight, I know it's a happy hour. Probably a little late for those in the Dallas area that you can't physically be there. There isn't uh, on the 27th next week. Next Thursday is an online live stream of a forum. If you don't know what forum is, imagine a mastermind on steroids. You are literally, and I said literal, literally, uh, <laughs> getting to know everyone to the point of crying. There's like an ongoing joke that Vince Pacencia, I'll give you a shout out, where in his forum, they had a joke saying, who'd be the first one to cry in a meeting? Um, this is, you guys, hardcore mastermind on steroids. And what they do is you, you it's very structured and you are committed to each other. So his form is over 20 years old. So that's wow. what we're talking about, the value of a forum. Glow sponsors all that stuff. And so if you join as a member, you get to join a forum. Coming up in November, huge meeting for the Dallas chapter. We've got Cav Calvin Carter of uh, Bottle Rocket founder and Tim Storer of Bridge Point. Oh, my God. I probably should have Mason Bridge. 
Mason Bridge founder. Uh, they're going to join us for our panel on how they've grown their business to multi-billion dollar businesses. And uh, there is a Glow special event coming in November 17th. This is, you guys, huge. If you know anything about virtual reality and the next generation of gaming and in IRL, uh, check that out. I'm not uh, able to give the full details yet because we're still hashing out. But 11-17 is the target date. And of course, end of year celebration um, with all the fellow GLOW members. We have collaborated with the Alliance of Merger and Acquisition Advisors. So anyone that's in M&A world, finance, accounting, all that good stuff, um, another great organization. And of course, uh, with sponsorship with uh, Unicom and IME, Innovation Media Enterprises, which coincidentally enough, happens to be my business. So... Everyone has a story to tell, do it with a podcast, have that message, make your money, all that good stuff. And again, final reminder about Glow, committed to content, community, commerce, capital. I might be a little tired saying this and getting out of breath, but on that note, everyone and anyone, if you do not know, Leslie, you need to. And on that note, you guys, thank you so much for another long episode. I have poor time management. Leslie, back off with that timer. I know we talked about it. But damn it, Janet, you're worth it to go long. So thanks, thank everyone. You. We'll see you next week. Thanks for thank joining the mic and listening.